Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Kyle Brandt's Basement. It's Wednesday. It's the Wednesday before Super Bowl. All kinds of things going on. I am leaving tomorrow to Arizona. And not just the sit-around-radio row like every other piece of sports media you're consuming. I'm going pretty much directly to NFL Honors tomorrow night. I am doing angry runs throughout the theater. I talked about a lot on the show yesterday. I just saw the seating chart. I was given a confidential seating chart of who's sitting where. Oh my God, it didn't do anything for my nerves or my anxiety. There's a lot of people, very famous, and they're all on the aisles and I'll be running up and down past them. The three finalists, Najee Harris, Damian Pierce, and Rashad White of the Buccaneers, whoever has the angriest run gets a special golden scepter. I'll be handing it out tomorrow night, NFL Honors. What I'm handing out here, though, is all kinds of fun stuff. We're going to talk about the Eagles. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about the food that I hate that you might love. Very, very fun topic. You guys went big on it on Twitter. And then we're going to talk about darkness retreats. Are you going on one? Do you want to go on one? I'm kind of intrigued. It's what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. Yes, sir. I want to look right in the camera and say this. I love Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni. Did you hear me? I love him. We used to do Nick Sirianni for what's hilarious on this program. He did it a few times. He's graduated. He's ascended. He's now what I love. And he's a few days away from coaching the biggest game of his life. And I love where this thing started specifically. I love where it's come. Two seasons as the Eagles head coach. And the playoffs last year as in the Super Bowl this year. Do you remember where this thing started? Do you remember when the Eagles chose Nick Sirianni? to be the head coach, and they had an introductory press conference, as they always do, and Jeffrey Lurie got up there and spoke for quite a while, and then introduced Nick Sirianni, and it was something that ended up getting mocked, and memed, and made fun of, and I went back and looked at it, and I want to show it to you. Remember, this guy's coaching the Super Bowl in a few days, but almost two years ago, it started, and this, 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 this was his first comments as the Eagles head coach. This 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 team and this this city this organization I'm I'm confident this this is a really ta there's a talented group uh, Howie Howie and his staff have put together a talented group and just super excited to work with each all the guys here. Next thing that's very important to me is that we build a smart football team. The first part of that, the first part of being smart is knowing what to do. We're gonna we're gonna know we're gonna have systems in place that are easier to learn. And when you can combine the fundamentals and you combine that with the talent, that's when, we get, uh, that's when you get a player to reach the level of, of excellence. That's the guy they chose. And before he'd even left the microphone, certainly Philly Sports Radio and all over the internet was just laughing at him, mocking him. Like I said, he was a joke before he even started because of his stuttering, nervousness, sort of gym teacher vibe that he had in his opening comments. That was it. A funny thing happened after that. There's this great article in The Athletic this week about that speech and that legacy and that opening comment and how it could have just folded right then. What he did instead was he went and showed it to his players. He screened it, he showed it to them, all the players, veterans, young guys everywhere, and made it a message of accountability. He showed it as something he did not do well, that he was not proud of, he was not pleased with, and he said, guys, I'm gonna own this. Just like I want each and every one of you to own the mistakes that you made, and we will own the mistakes we made as a team. Let's watch this. 
I want you to accept this and I'm going to be better than this and I'm going to move on from this. Brandon Graham came out and said that's the moment he had my respect. He's one of the true veterans of this team who's now going to his second Super Bowl. It's going through another head coach and he saw him and he said, that's pretty cool. I like that guy. I got this guy's back. I'm going to roll with this guy. Why did he look so nervous? Because he was nervous. He'd never been a head coach before in the NFL. This is his first job. And he could have easily come out and been cool and even keeled and slick and confident and solid. And who knows? That wasn't him. That wasn't him at all. He was himself. He was nervous. He was authentic. He was transparent. He was genuine. You know, I'm sure that same year, Urban Meyer had a really smooth, silky press conference where he hit all the right notes and answered the right questions. Nice and confident and arrogant. And wow, we can really rally behind this guy. Then you got this bumbling, stuttering guy over in Philadelphia. What's he ever going to do? Well, he's going to win the NFC. How about that? It's going to be a few days from winning the Super Bowl. I absolutely love it. I think it is really cool. Because a few games later into the coaching career of Nick Sirianni, he also had another internet moment where he compared his team's growth to that of a plant. And you have to plant seeds with these guys and you water it and give it sunlight. And it was amusing. And it was mocked again. And it was made fun of again. Metaphor for a plant for an NFL team? What are we doing here? Since he made that plant metaphor, Nick Sirianni's Philadelphia Eagles are 23-7 and seven since that plant metaphor. 23-7. and seven. This guy's cut out for Philadelphia. I like it. And I think he's going to complete this journey. I think he's going to win the Super Bowl this weekend. And then we can do all the plant metaphors. We can play back all the stuttering. I had my fun with it. It's it, myself. I did it. Hand up. And now look at us. Look who's having fun now. Look who's laughing now. There will be no stutters when he receives the Lombardi Trophy and raises it to the Eagles fans. Believe me. It's awesome. I love that Nick Sirianni is here. He's come a long way from that press conference. He's come a long way from the potted plant. And it's really, really cool. Respect him, love him. I think this guy's a great coach. I think he's gonna win the Super Bowl. Let's get to what I hate. So we're just a matter of days from maybe the most gluttonous day in the calendar year. You got the Thanksgiving, of course, uh, Christmas, you know, Valentine's Day in its own way. You really get after it on St. Patrick's Day, but Super Bowl Sunday, we put it back as Americans. We drink a lot, we eat a lot. If you're going to a get together, that person who's hosting that is just gonna put out every possible thing they can imagine on their table. If you're hosting one, you know what I mean. We gotta have more drinks, we gotta have more food, we gotta have useless generic cookie trays that we get from Costco no one wants or needs. It's just sugar, just shove it in our face. That's what we have to do. That's what we all have to do. So you get to talking about food a lot, bar food, sort of people food, finger food. We were talking about it this morning, um, and the question was, in light of Juju Smith-Schuster also talking food and kind of throwing some shade at the Philly cheesesteak and saying that the best Philly cheesesteaks aren't in Philadelphia, it begs to mind the question, what is, your, what is your spiciest, hottest take on food? More specifically, what is a food you hate that the, that the population at large seems to love? What's a food you hate that people love? And I don't even have to hesitate. I hate onion rings. I hate them. I don't get the point. I don't get the popularity. I don't get the draw. And they're at the bottom of the damn depth chart. Let me break this down for you. If you're at a pub, if you're at some sort of bar and grill and restaurant, and you got your list of apps, they're the worst one. You can take so many things before them, and they're the last thing you would ever order. And let me put it more specifically. You go to some sort of party at a bar and they put out the app sampler platter. It's just going to be a smorgasbord of everything we can fry and put on a plate and charge you for. 
When that thing sets down and the people come around because they're hungry and they're drunk, first thing you're reaching for is the mozzarella stick. Because the mozzarella stick is like a time bomb. It's a clock. As soon as they go cold, they're useless. Mozzarella stick. Then you're going to go chicken wing, obviously. Then you're going to go chicken tender, especially if you're younger. Maybe then you even go potato skin loaded or otherwise. And then the last thing you reach for is the onion ring. It is like the last dumb donut in the box that nobody wants. It's an onion ring. I don't get it. I'm not into it. Mozzarella stick is this warm, gooey cheese dipped in a marinara sauce. Chicken wings are chicken wings. Chicken and sauce and they're fried. Chicken tenders, it's chicken, it's, it's potato. It's... Onion ring is this one miserable fingernail of a slimy, slippery onion coated half-assed in some batter, dipped in a fryer and put out there. You're eating an onion that has batter around it and inevitably when you bite into it, you take a bite and that onion comes out like a worm from its little sheath and falls down because it's all gross and limp and slimy. And then you have a wet onion noodle hanging out of your mouth, which you can either slurp in, and I'm gonna dry heave just thinking about it, or I, I guess throw away or take out with your fingers, it's gross. And then you're left with this, the sheath that's not even housing an onion anymore, and it becomes a de facto crappy French fry that doesn't even have potatoes in it. And then you just eat that because it's disgusting and you're a fiend like we all are. It does nothing for me. Nothing. I'm not saying it is utterly worthless. Of course I've eaten onion rings before. It's fried, it's crunchy, it's at a bar. I'm saying that compared to its peers, it's Mr. Irrelevance of appetizers and not even in the Brock Purdy sense. I'm talking about some tight end who never sees the field that gets cut in training camp. The old fashioned kind of Mr. Irrelevance. That's the onion rings. It does nothing for me. Dip it in a sauce, you're just covering up the crap. If you're ever dipping an onion ring in a sauce, don't you would, you, would you ever prefer it not to be a chicken tender you're dump, dunking into the sauce? In what world would you rather have an onion ring than a good wing, uh, a good mozzarella stick, a good chicken tender? It's just, it's, it's the crap of the crap. It's the worst. And I think they're available a lot because they're crazy cheap and they push them on you and they price them low and they bring them out free onion rings. Gross. I don't even like it when you go sometimes to like a, a fast food restaurant or something and you order the fries and sometimes there'll be this rogue onion ring that has infiltrated your fries. Like they mixed them up in the fryer or in the fry hopper where they go to cool and get salted. Like get that onion ring out of here. I have no use for that. I'm not taking that orphan. You go back with your kind. I'm eating French fries. Hate onion rings. Do nothing for me. But it begs the question, what do you got guys? What do you got? Because there's really nothing more than food. <laughs> Even you can take politics, sports, religion, anything. People got opinion on food. So I asked the question, what's the food everybody loves that you hate? Here we go. Philly Dubbin says, watermelon. It is the cotton candy of fruit, which also sucks. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're throwing punches from Philly. This guy's ready for Super Bowl week. He, he, he came for watermelon and cotton candy. Cotton candy of fruit, which also sucks. Watermelon, I, I enjoy, I do, especially in the summer. I can see how it would be annoying. The seed factor is annoying. The size, the weight, the slicing of it. You have this giant boomerang you're left with that you can't eat. It's a little annoying. I, I don't mind cotton candy either. We'll get cotton candy at Disney World. I'll end up e eating half of my kids. It dissolves on your tongue, it's fun. But it's not about me agreeing with you, it's me getting with your opinions. Next, all right, it's me RD, my guy, verified. Uh, this is good. What food do people love that you hate? It's me, RD says, shrimp. 
And he goes on, it looks, smells, tastes, and feels disgusting. <laughs> uh, RD, there are a few things in the world that I like to eat more than shrimp. I eat a lot of shrimp. Let me take you through it. Looks, smells, tastes, and feels disgusting. I'm trying to relate to you. Looks, yes, they look weird, especially when you buy them, they're gray, and when you cook them, they're orange. It definitely looks weird, I'll give you that. Smells, if they get old, they can smell weird, yes. Tastes, let me get back to. Feels disgusting, I think, is where a lot of people are on shrimp. The texture is unique, I'm gonna grant you that. It's chewy, and it's not like fish, and it's not like chicken, it is a distinct texture that is sort of chewy, a little spongy, <laughs> I like it. And taste, I can't get with you on taste, I think it tastes great. Nice big cold shrimp dunked in some, uh, some cocktail sauce with some horseradish in it, oh mama, I love it. Next. What food do people love that you hate? <laughs> Jeremy says that pears, the fruit, pears are the bologna of the fruits. <laughs> uh, I eat a lot of pears. I do, I'm a pear guy. I love it. It's unique. The shape is unique. The color is unique. The texture and the taste are unique. If you get a good pear, not some dry, rock hard piece of crap, I'm talking about a, a juicy, ripe, Hair. I'm into it. I think it's better than an apple. I think it tastes better than an apple. Bologna is disgusting. Bologna's for kids. So I'm fine with that. But pears are a polarizing fruit. Jacob No. Jacob No Thumb. Jacob, did you really lose your thumb? That sucks. Uh, he says green olives. All right. They look delicious from cartoons to martinis, but every time I think my taste buds matured, I'm wrong. Green olives are disgusting for me, and I say that as a big martini guy. I always order a martini, or sometimes you go to someone's house and they know you like martinis, and they'll have one ready for you and they'll put green olives in it. Gross. And then that weird briny, olivey taste filters through the booze and you can just taste it and you have to pretend to be polite because they made it for you. I hate green olives. I hate all olives. I think they, they're terrible. Black too. Next, food that everybody loves that you hate, Sean Franken. Wow. Sean says, cake. Can't stand it. Never had a cake for my birthday as a kid. People thought it was weird. I got a giant chocolate chip cookie every year instead. I win. Sean Franken, you are weird. <laughs> you, even as a seven-year-old, you didn't like cake? Now, I don't need to get into the trenches of cake versus ice cream. Ice cream is better than cake. And sometimes cake is annoying and it's dry and it's just, it, you just, yeah, you have a birthday cake. It's just what you do. And there's certain ways you can customize it to make it delicious. Your mom or your dad, whoever, just bring you a giant chocolate chip cookie? Would you chop it up into pieces? What about your friend, Sean? What would they eat? Weird. I'm glad I didn't go to Sean Franken's birthday party. Respect, but you gotta have a cake. Dinkelberg, he says, I'm not sure how many people do love it, but meatloaf, absolutely disgusting. And the name alone is nauseating. And then he adds, good singer though, rest in peace. Yeah, um, I love you and I would agree with you and I would do anything for love, Dinkelberg. I won't do that. Meatloaf does have a terrible name, should be rebranded. Sounds, <laughs> sounds disgusting. It's smeared with ketchup if you hate that. When my mom used to make it, she wouldn't chop the onions that fine, so you'd get a big old thing of onion and basically have an onion ring inside the meatloaf. I do like Meatloaf's music though, and I liked them in Fight Club. Not a huge Meatloaf guy. A lot of protein, a lot of salt, it's okay. Oh, look who's here, Blaze and KC, who still has the Nicholas from Made Is Enough avatar even though Nicholas passed away. Now, is, are you honoring him, Blaze? All right, this is good. This is a parenting one. This is perfect. Blaze says the food that people love that he hates, s'mores. Interesting. It's a sticky mess. 
that melted marshmallow and chocolate gets everywhere. Kids just, <laughs> kids just burn the marshmallows. They totally do. Never made correctly. And the reward just isn't there. I'm with you, Blaze. Uh, there's this thing now where if you're gonna roast marshmallows, which is a great activity supervised for children, you have to make s'mores. You, you just have to. Someone's like, well, we gotta make s'mores. Can't you just roast the marshmallows? Is that not enough to have little flaming balls of sugar on the end of a filthy stick? Do you really need the honey-made graham crackers and the terrible Hershey's milk chocolate? Do you? Why can't you just roast the marshmallows? We did that a lot as a kid. And I'll tell you this about s'mores. There is few things that you could eat that make you more immediately thirsty than when you take a few bites of a s'more sandwich. And by make me thirsty, I mean the kids. So the kids have a few bites, it's all over their hands, it's all over their face, it's all in my daughter's hair, and they have a few bites and they're like, I'm thirsty, I want more juice. Then we gotta do the juice thing, and we don't wanna do the juice thing because we're doing the s'mores thing now, and they already had five juices, and then they're gonna have to go to the bathroom, and then that's a whole other issue. S'mores is a domino effect of thirst, stickiness, mess, just stick to campfire marshmallows, enough. There's always one person who needs to escalate the marshmallows game, let's do s'mores! No, just have your drink. And let the kids do the marshmallows. Do we have any more food people love that, ev that everybody lo everybody loves that you hate? <laughs> Brandon, Brandon's Brandon's whole tweet just says gum. So gross. Brandon, you think gum is gross? You think a stick of juicy fruit is gross? Why? You just chew it. I guess I guess it's like this weird piece of clay in your mouth that you just suck on and bite and get your spit all over. I get. I'm trying to relate. I chew a lot of gum. I like gum. But Brandon Kelly, gross. J. O'Brien. All pies belong in the trash. Pecan, blueberry, apple, sweet potato, all of them would gladly take a few scoops of even the most mediocre store brand ice cream over a pie. All right, Jay, strong take. I like pies, big pie guy. Uh, I always have pumpkin on Thanksgiving. I like blueberry, I like apple, I like cherry. I like the album Cherry Pie, I like the song Cherry Pie. I know people get, we're gonna get into it with Flynn later. Apparently Flynn hates hot fruit. I don't know. I, I, it doesn't bother me at all. Do we have any more? Or is it we gonna end on pies? What's the, oh! Scott Hansen from NFL Red Zone. Let's go to the Octo Box. Well, let's tweet the basement. Ranch dressing should be treated like a Chinese spy balloon. Wow, Scott, pulling from the headlines for a fresh take on ranch. Um, yeah, ranch is kind of like white trash mayonnaise. <laughs> It doesn't bother me much, and I'm a blue cheese guy. I like blue cheese in many forms, and that's a polarizing little spread. But Scotty, from the Octobox, going in on ranch. That's a popular take in Buffalo. They really judge you if you like ranch with your wings. Scott, I love you. I love you. I hope to see you in Arizona this weekend. That was a great conversation, guys. That was a really long what I hate. Let's get to something a little shorter, and maybe it's called What's Hilarious. Hit the lights. So uh, my friend Bill Simmons, who you sure are aware of, used to have something called the Tyson Zone, where uh, at the height of Mike Tyson's career or maybe fame or infamy, it was the Tyson Zone was like nothing that would come out about this athlete would surprise me. Could could be any completely outrageous news item, and if that athlete is in the Tyson Zone, it wouldn't surprise me. Aaron Rodgers is kind of going there in terms of. Um, the, the, the fresh perspectives that he's sharing and simultaneously seeking 
and the ways of healing and self-exploration and things like that. So I know a lot of people were freaking out and doing backflips and tweeting and all that type of stuff about yesterday's Aaron Rodgers news that he was talking to McAfee about, but I was not. When pushed for his decision on what he's going to do with football, is he going to retire, stay with the Packers, will he go with a new team? He said, I'm sure you've seen this, that he's going to be going on a four-day darkness retreat. That's the term that's been flying around, darkness retreat, four days. And you're like, what the hell is that? I'd never heard of that. And I think most people haven't, but maybe they should. So he goes on to explain, and I hope I have this right, that you go into what I believe he explained as a small home. And they close the door and all the windows are blacked out and there's no lights on and no electricity. And for four days and four nights, you sit and contemplate and meditate and think in complete darkness. And he said that they put food through a little mail slot so you could eat. And you know, there's a bathroom and you have water and you sit there for four days. And he had said that some friends of his had gone through it and had really incredible experiences and he wanted to do it. So my first reaction, it, the segment's called What's Hilarious, but I actually don't think it's hilarious. It's just we have to fulfill it. It's a hilarious concept in that it's just so strange and exotic to the rest of us, but he's really matter-of-fact about it. He's like, listen, I, I, this is going to help me come to my decision. I have friends who have tried it. I just was so interesting, interested in myself doing it. Like, would you be able to go through that? I have a lot of questions about the specifics. He said it's in a home. So what are the furnishings in the home? It can't be like a regular home, right? Like with coffee tables and end tables and stuff because you can't walk around in the dark in a house like that, especially one you're not familiar with. I wanna know what the setup is in there. I assume there's a bed. Um, and then like, can you drink? That was my first question. I, I, if I'm gonna be in the dark for four days, I need to drink or do something even stronger because I can't just sit there. How many, so four days, let's just say it's, Man, that's a lot of time. That's 96 hours. So let's just say right off the bat, if you were able to sleep 40 of those 96 hours, that's 10 hours a night, it's a lot of sleep. So then you're you're at 56 hours of being, that's so long. That's so long. 56 hours of pure darkness. At what point in the 56 hours, or even let's just say, Let's say you get in there in the morning and you got 12 hours of darkness before you go to sleep. At what point do you start to maybe wig out a little bit? I think it's, I think it's like hour four. I think it's quick. Because there's the novelty, there's the wow, this is, I'm getting used to this and my senses are heightening because I can't see. I'm gonna find a little spot where I'm gonna sit, but that's, that's like the first hour. And then do you do like push-ups? Like do you exercise, do you do jumping jacks? What's that, 20 minutes? Then you think for a while and you meditate and you can't read, there's no light. You're not on your phone, you just have your thoughts. I think that's the whole point. I just don't know if I'm cut out for that. Are you? I have to say, when he, when he, when he started laying it out and I'm starting to go through the time frame, I'm like, hold on a second. Everyone's saying this sounds so horrible and this is so weird. Who wants to be in the dark for four hours? And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Right about now, maybe it's my point in life that I am with a wife and two kids, or maybe it's just the end of the football season and I've been working very hard. Four days in the cool, quiet, dark. Sounds pretty nice. I don't mind it at all. If you could just lie around, if, as long as you were physically comfortable and there's a nice, wonderful couch and pillows, like 
just with your thoughts, you daydream for a while, you try to think of ideas, you meditate, oh, what do you know, I fell asleep for a couple hours. It sounds nice. I, I, I'm not making fun of them, I'm kind of jealous of them. I would like to do that, I would like to try that. I'd like to be into that. Is there an exercise bike or anything? You'd probably risk injury, but I think you need some sort of physical invigoration while you're in the house. There has to be something, right? I just, you know, everyone was saying, oh, it's like uh, Shawshank and Andy Dufresne and, and Solitary. No, 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 it's not like that. First of all, Andy Dufresne was in Shawshank Solitary for two straight months. <laughs> he did 60 days of it. So it's not the same thing. Um, I just need to know more about the setup. I had some, I did some looking into the cost and I found one that was in the Pacific Northwest somewhere and it was, it was a 10 day thing and it, it was like $1,500, didn't make any sense. I would think the four days, you gotta think it's at least, at least $1,000 a day. You have a house, you have been taking care of bringing food and stuff. I'm so intrigued by it. I wish I could ask him more questions. I'm sure McAfee does too. I just wanna know more about the details and I would really like to, I'd love to be standing there as he walks out. So how was it? What did you do? I wanna hear what he has to say. And maybe the first question should be, so Raiders? And what if he just walks out and he's like, man, I really found some incredible conclusions in there. And I've just decided after my four days in the darkness and reflecting and meditating that I wanna be a New York Jet. And I'd like to announce it right here with my four day scruff and my bleary eyes and my, uh, my crusty eyes and my, my bed head. I'm gonna be a jet. That'd be pretty incredible. But it's a hilarious concept because it's just so different. And he, I wasn't surprised at all hearing it from Rogers at all. There's nothing that he could say that would surprise me right now. He'll go anywhere to try to find some sort of introspection. I'd like to, I, I'd, I'd like to do it. I'd like to do it. So if there's any people who want to give me a comp on a four day uh, darkness retreat, I'm not sure how my family would feel about it, but I'm in on it. I want to do it. Do you want to do it? Let me know if you're a darkness retreat type person. Tweet the show. Until then, it's what's hilarious. And let's get to, what do we have? Oh, speaking of hilarious, time for a little segment where we go to the phones and we call it Say Anything. Hey, you know what I love? Omaha Steaks. Yeah, baby. This Valentine's Day, fall in love with flavor when you save on delectable dishes and tantalizing tastes from Omaha Steaks with their Love at First Bite sale. It's the perfect time to celebrate your better half and bring the steakhouse experience home for Valentine's Day. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code BASEMENT at checkout and get $30 off your order. That's $30 off an endless variety of delicious gourmet foods, from perfectly aged tender steaks to juicy burgers, decadent desserts, and classic comfort meals. Every bite is guaranteed to be perfect and is backed by their 100% satisfaction guarantee. Visit omahasteaks.com, use promo code BASEMENT at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required. All right, the phone number is 252-4-BRANTS. 252, the number four, Brant. Call any day, any time of the day, ever. Say anything you want. You leave an answering machine message. I listen to him. We go through him. Well, Flynn listens to him. I don't listen to him until I come on the air. And he wants to hear what you guys have to say. So do I. And you can say anything. This is a Super Bowl edition, all right? Uh, anything you want to know, Super Bowl takes, Super Bowl observations. Let's start with Baltimore. Baltimore, I don't know if there's a Ravens fan. Again, I've not heard these calls. I'll hear them with you for the first time. And a man named Nick wants to say anything. Hey, Kyle, it's Nick from Baltimore. I have a question for you. If Jalen Hurts wins the Super Bowl, 
Is he the best quarterback in Eagles history? I want to know what you think. Thanks. Hmm. No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, he's had two seasons legitimately, one in the playoffs and then this one. He's just been awesome this year. But no, he's not the best quarterback in Eagles history because, I mean, I, I looked at McNabb. McNabb got him a bunch of title games. He also got him to a Super Bowl now. He didn't win, but McNabb was in MVP conversations a few times at least. Did it for way longer. I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to win the MVP. I thought he was going to, and then he got hurt in the last few weeks and kind of blew it. I think they're going to give it to Mahomes, and that's fine. But I don't think he's the best quarterback in Eagles history, even if he wins it. You just you can't have two seasons and then immediately say, I'm better than McNabb, I'm better than Cunningham, I'm better than Jaworski. You just can't. Even like peak Michael Vick was incredible for like a hot minute with the Philadelphia Eagles. So Jalen Hurts, it, it was the best season maybe a Philadelphia Eagles has ever had quarterback has ever had and my guy I saw my guy Sal Palantonio who's covered man he's covered the Eagles probably 30 years and he says the best Eagles team ever it's the best Eagles team in history that he's ever seen that's pretty compelling but no he's not the best quarterback ever I like the like straight sports question you know why because it's called say anything you just want to just do arguments about who's the best this best that it's great um Jeff this guy's calling from Lincoln Nebraska I wonder if he'll ask me if Eric Crouch is the best Nebraska quarterback ever. I would love that. Jeff, Lincoln, Nebraska, say anything. KB, this is Geoff and Lincoln. Uh, my big, well, not really a weird take, but like an angry rant, is I don't understand why these companies foil the Super Bowl commercials a week before the Super Bowl. Mm. Like, I just saw a thing on social media that said, watch this new preview where Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston recreate their roles from Breaking Bad in this new yeah. Super Bowl ad. That's like spoiling the end of a movie. Why would they let you do that? I don't understand it. It ruins the commercials for me, and I hate it. That's it. I'm out. Uh, I love this. This is pulling from the headlines again. It's a good question. That happens now when they're going to spend millions of dollars on some big celebrity, or in this case, the Breaking Bad guys doing a commercial for Popcorners and you wouldn't want maximum eyeballs and you would think the network would too so why are they allowed to tweet the entire thing days before it comes out they see it as a completely different audience and i have first person experience with this this fall i did these pieces eight times for cbs where i would shoot a little taped piece and it would air in the middle of the nfl today on cbs the pregame show that they do there and i did the the goodfellas one the kirk cousins one the roller coaster one on sundays the show starts at about at noon, and my piece would go around 12.30, 12.40. At 10 a.m., the CBS social team will send me the clip and ask me to share it. And I go, well, why would I share it? Don't we want to wait so people can watch it on the show? It wouldn't entice people to turn on the show if they've already seen it. Why do I need to bother turning on CBS when I saw the clip that you're talking about, Brands? I don't, I don't need to watch the show. It doesn't make any sense to me. And they say, we just see it as two different things. We, we have our social audience and we have our TV audience and we actually find that sometimes there's not a lot of crossover at all. So they don't care. Those people, Popcorners, Pepsi, whatever, um, they think also that you're, they're gonna have your attention more strictly on the phone. Let's be honest, at a Super Bowl, you know, you, you're sitting there, you're having a million conversations sometimes, the commercial comes on, you're sort of watching, you get up a lot during the commercials, you go to the bathroom, you go get food, you're not there. When you're sitting there on the bus or on the toilet or whatever, watching a thing on your phone, they have your attention. And I think that's actually more valuable now. Plus, uh, when they airs on TV, you can't press like, you can't retweet. They want all that stuff too. They want all those metrics. They, they can't take Cranston 
and have them do pop corners and Aaron Paul and you see it and it goes on for a minute. You're like, oh, that was pretty funny. And it's short of you taking your timeline and saying, I just watched this awesome Popcorners commercial at Popcorn, which you're not doing. Um, they want the likes, they want the metrics, they want to take that and they can use that as, a, as value. So it's a lot of reasons, but it's media changing right in front of us. And I went through it this fall. I couldn't understand why they wanted those CBS things out early, but I listened and maybe they were right and I would tweet them always out early. So that's the reason they put out the commercials out. They want the clicks and the likes, plus they don't think you're watching this strictly on TV and they're probably right. Popcorners are pretty good. They hand them out on planes. We have them in my house a lot. Good to see uh, the Kranz. And Tuco, Tuco Salamakia shows up in that commercial too. It's a fun commercial. Now, uh, lastly, let's get to um, Kansas City. Kansas City, this is DJ. DJ, take us home. Kyle, DJ in Kansas City, wanted to call with my take on the Eagles Chiefs Super Bowl. Um, I'm a Bears fan living in Kansas City, and I hate the pain. It pains me to say that the Eagles are going to win, and I'll tell you why. When you think about Philadelphia, you think about Rocky Balboa. When you think about Rocky Balboa, you think about all the amazing villains that he's had to uh, come up against and battle to victory. You've got Apollo Creed, Clubber Lang, Thunderlips. You've got, who else we got? We got Ivan Drago. Oh, yeah, and then there's the guy from Kansas City, Tommy Gunn. Tommy Morrison. R.I.P., uh, who played Tommy Gunn, is originally from Kansas City, one of the most boring villains in the Rocky uh, saga. And for that reason alone, I've got to go with the Eagles, 33, Chiefs 30. See ya. <laughs> All right, DJ. There's a lot to follow there. He's picking the Eagles over the Chiefs because Tommy Gunn, who is played by real-life boxer Tommy Morrison, was one of the most boring Rocky villains ever. <laughs> I don't know if there's necessarily connective tissue between that. And apparently he's from Kansas City, which I didn't know. Um, yeah, Rocky V is not great. He, Sly took a whole different turn. He said Rocky's not going to be rich anymore. He's going to lose all his money in this ridiculous mishap by Pauly. It's a little weird now, too, because this was Sylvester Stallone's real-life son. is playing his son, and that son in real life passed away. Uh, it's, it's, it's Kevin Connolly from Entourage is in it. There's all kinds of things going on in that movie, but Tommy Morrison, um, who I think, yeah, he just had rest in peace. I think he passed away. He, he had some hard times in life. He had some, some, uh, some really sordid headlines. At one point I read that he was involved in a robbery and that he was the, I don't know. Was, either way, I'm not going to go down his Wikipedia. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that connects to the Super Bowl. I, Rocky five is tough. I've said this many times, the series starts with Rocky 3 and it really peaks with Rocky 4 and then after that it takes a while off and then the Creed movies are really good. So I didn't know this from Kansas City, I don't think that's going to affect the game, but you do make me, he's huge in that movie though, physically huge, and his punches are so hard and there's just no possible way that Rocky Balboa could beat him because he looks like he's all juiced up and everything like a lot of people were back then. I haven't watched Rocky V in years, but I remember seeing it in the theater. Tommy Gunn, didn't think you'd be on the show today. Tommy Morrison, my ring's outside. That's the big line at the end with Rocky. That's say anything, guys. We are all over the place, and that's just how this segment works. Uh, DJ, Jeff, and all the boys, uh, thank you for calling. Always call 252-4-BRANT. And know that when you leave that message, it will be listened to by the very intelligent and very dashing Michael Flynn, who brings us our Brant Awareness segment. Take it away.
Flynn, what did you think of Say Anything? I thought that uh, Say Anything was great. Do you want me to clarify my take on pies? I, I was I was waiting for it. Yes, please do. Uh, you you beat my punchline, but hot fruit is absolutely disgusting. I don't want apple pie. I don't want cherry pie. I don't want all the mushiness that's in there. The only pie that I find acceptable is something very simple that my mom has always done. It's a great Thanksgiving thing. Uh, is pudding pie because pudding is delicious. It's cold. You keep it in the fridge. You put it on pie crust, which is also delicious when it doesn't have fruit on top of it, and you can have it for days after if you keep it refrigerated. It is great. I want no apple, no cherry, no pecan. I just want pudding mm. pie. If the apple pie was cold, would you eat it? No. Nope, just, really? the, texture, just the texture. Not a fan of pies. Do you like cake? I, I do like cake, but I want to, I forget the gentleman's name, but I, I would like a follow-up question if his giant chocolate chip cookie was just a regular cookie or if it was a cookie cake, because the we grew, we grew up near Great American Cookie Company and yeah. we had giant sheets of cake with oh, the yeah. most delicious frosting on it. We still get it today. We'll get one for the Super Bowl. Uh, oh, that, is, that is great, but it is also a cake. Cake comes in many different flavors, many different sizes. Yeah. So I want, I I want to know the answer. I think got a giant cookie. I do, and I think they like seemed that candles way. in it and all that. I've never heard of that before. Um, <laughs> what else have I never heard of before today in the news cycle, Flynn? What do you got? Yeah, one of the best Twitter follows of active NFL players is the Ravens' Marlon Humphrey. I highly recommend yep. him. And yesterday he gave us this gem. Bought probably my 14th pair of AirPods the other day, and before I got a chance to put them in my ears, I have <laughs> lost them already. Sad face, not emoji, just a sad face. Uh, Kyle, can you relate to this? Who can't? I just remember the first time I saw an EarPods commercial and I was like, those bastards. I, they know everyone's gonna lose them. They know it and they're just laughing all the way to the yacht. These things, these things are made to be lost and they give you this little mouse suitcase to put them in and it snaps shut and you have this, this delusion, this feeling of like, Oh, you know, it's safe and I've snapped it shut. And of course, I'm sure they're gonna tell me there's some app where you can track it and find it. It's hard to set up. I, I just have to pat myself on the back. I was given this pair of AirPods back in August by the wonderful people here in this program at Omaha Productions, and I still got them. These things have been to Germany, to London, to Latvia, to Poland and back, and I still have them. And I'm terrible at losing things, terrible. I lose sunglasses like I'm being paid to do it. So Marlon Humphrey's on his 14th pair. I think it's low still. I, I mean, there's somewhere there is a, a landfill of lost AirPods. I think it's an evil invention. Convenient as hell, and it's really exciting when you get that little beep in your ear and the music starts. But how are we not supposed to lose these? I'm on this incredible, like, Roger Maris-like streak of, of not losing these. And now that I've said it, you better believe I'm losing them in Arizona. You know that, Flynn. You are tempting fate there. Know. You know where they you know where they haven't been, uh, Vegas. I really need you to bring those to Arizona tomorrow, if you don't mind. Yeah, I didn't bring them to Las Vegas, and so I messed everything up in this very sophisticated technical setup we have here in the basement. <laughs> I'll bring them to Arizona, and then I'll leave them there. That'll be fun.
Yes, of course. Uh, next, I want to share with you the name Dewan Bonds. That is the name of Patrick Mahomes' barber since his rookie oh. season. He sat down with Steve Serby of the New York Post and said he is the reason the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. He cut Mahomes and many of his teammates' hair at the end of the 2019 season when they won the Super Bowl, but the following year, Bonds tested positive for COVID when he went to the facility to give the team their haircuts and, quote, Pat went to the Super Bowl busted. No haircut. That's why we lost, end quote. Bonds is back this year and will be giving cuts to Mahomes and 20, one of his teammates. Kyle, is this enough for you to change your Super Bowl pick? I like it. I like we're looking for any kind of edge at this point uh, on Wednesday of Super Bowl week. I, I tend to think that they lost to the Buccaneers because there was no offensive line left for the Chiefs and the, the, the Bucks had a hell of a pass rush and Mahomes was running for his life all day. I'm not sure a haircut would have affected that, but who am I to say I'm not a professional barber? My barber is named Joe. He works at Jack's Barber Shop and he always lines me up nice. I'm never busted when I walk out of there. Uh, listen, I, you can't underestimate the power of a good haircut for a professional athlete. They've gone so far as to not have barber shops inside the different facilities. The Chicago Bears, I know, have one. They've got one in there. I guess it's not working that well lately, but I've seen it. The athletes, it just you file it under feel good, play good, play good, pay good, all that type of stuff. Look good, feel good. So I'm glad to hear he's getting it. Uh, the Mahomes hair is an amazing thing. I think it actually has a special significance. I remember when he showed up and started winning in Kansas City with that haircut, that kids all over that area were getting the Mahomes haircut and just asking for the Mahomes. And then kids all over the country started doing it. Some of the same kids who were getting the Odell haircut before, uh, my son has talked about getting the Patrick Mahomes haircut. Uh, we'd have to pull it off a little differently, but we could do it. And um, I don't know. It's just that Mahomes hair is signature. It's one of those things where like if he ever shaved his head or changed his hair, we'd be like, oh, Patrick, no, it's not you anymore. I think it's a special part of who he is. And if uh, Bonds makes sure he's not busted, I may have to switch my Super Bowl pick, Flynn. That's all it is. Yeah. I couldn't tell you the name of my barber. I actually go to a shop. It's called Pete's. There's about six barbers there and there's always a long line, but the long line is always for one guy. So when I uh -huh. go in, any of the other five are like, come on in. And it, and it turns out great because this one guy, I guess, is really, really good. But there have been uh -huh. a couple of times I've walked into the shop and nobody's been there and the one guy's there and he's like, you, you want to oh. cut? And I'm like, yeah, but like, I'm sorry you're wasting it on me. Clearly you have talent. I'm sorry that this is what you have to spend your next 10 minutes on That's uh finally guy yeah I yes finally nba history made last night as lebron james passed kareem abdul jabbar for most points scored in nba history many ways we can go here but i want to throw up a tweet from the nba account a picture all right we're long past the days of flash bulbs going off for historic moments you don't see many faces there in the crowd just cell phones i want to bring your attention to one gentleman sitting in the front row dead center right behind that defender that's nike founder phil knight watching the moment with his actual eyes kyle are you the kind of guy who is witnessing history or do you have to tape it I'm Phil Knight all the way and that is that 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 should be in a mural in Nike headquarters because that shot's not about LeBron to me that's about Phil LeBron is incredible accomplishment cool shot cool picture all anyone wants to talk about is the background can you imagine you have this incredible all-time talent passing the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and all in wants to talk about us all the cameras in the background and I just all, my eye goes to Phil immediately and always will. Uh, I, I do it, I say this to Brooke all the time. I say, just put the phone down, just enjoy it. Just take the picture with your eyes and commit it to your memory. We have so many pictures of the kids doing so many things. Sometimes I just wanna watch. And you know what, Flynn, you might relate to this. If I take the kids to an activity and Brooke does not, 
when I get back, she'll be like, how come you didn't send me any pictures? And I'm like, I didn't take any. She's like, what? You didn't take any pictures? I was like, they were at a birthday party, like at the trampoline place. We've been there many times. <laughs> like we have other pictures of it. You know what I did? I sat there and I watched my kids jump up in a trampoline and like laugh and cavort and have fun. And I feel like I'm gonna remember it. So those people at the game, what are they gonna do with that picture? They're gonna put it on their stupid Instagram or Twitter? Like no one's going to them for that picture. I guess they wanna to prove to people they were there. Like just, I would just sit there and be like, here it comes, I'm just gonna watch. And if that makes me a grumpy old man, I don't care. I like watching sometimes. Yeah, it's all about the Instagram story. Back to the kids, definitely at parties. But my big one is my wife's a teacher, works very hard, leaves first thing in the morning. She's gone before the kids are awake. So I'm here getting all four of them ready for school. And sometimes they'll have matching outfits and she'll text me with a, can you please take a group picture? Like, where's the group picture? I'm getting four kids ready for school by myself. I, I, oh my I, I forgot. I didn't get it. Sorry. And then your ass is grass because she picked out the matching outfits and you yep. know, did you do their hair and all this and like yeah but i bet you just looked at them in those outfits and they were so cute and you enjoyed that for yourself yeah absolutely i was also making lunches and packing laptops and watching good morning football and right. being brought in a million different directions you know what i'm gonna do right now flynn i'm gonna take a picture wave to the camera there we go wave to the camera flynn there it is i want to i want to not just remember this I'm gonna take a picture and I'll always remember it. Flynn, next time we talk to you and to the people, I will be, uh, it's kind of the, the great state of Arizona doesn't really roll off the tongue these days, does it? But I will be in the state of Arizona <laughs> and I will be broadcasting from the basement. Thank you for all the work. I'm gonna throw a dart. We'll see you then. Skycam, if you please. Here we go. Zoom on in there. Let's see what number, wouldn't it be great if I got a bullseye and I could just go off triumphantly to my Super Bowl trip? Let's find out. Three, two, one. Not even close, I missed it by half a foot. Number four, topic number four if you please, and then I gotta go pick up my kids from school. It's, uh, I gotta pick them up in 22 minutes. At a past time, well we just took one. We just drove to Buffalo, which was, man, we pushed almost eight hours one way as a family for that wonderfully competitive Bills-Bengals football game. Um, well, I like to drive. So uh, I do almost all the driving. Um, we also drove to Florida once in a rented RV. Say what I did on the RV. This is my pro tip. On the massive road trip, which by massive, I mean we did 10 hours of driving a day. And we would break it up. Um, I think we did 400 miles a day, something like that. It was pretty conservative pace. And we would do 100 miles, I would drive then Brooke would drive 100, then I would drive 100, then she would drive 100. You get the first slot. Get, get the opening 100, or the opening shift. You wake up, get in the car. I got the first shift, honey, that's the coffee shift. That's the, the sun's coming up, beautiful. Everyone's a little sleepy, it's a little more quiet. It's a great shift, all right? Then you take a morning off, and then you get the third shift, and that's the post-lunch shift. And that's a nice one too, because you just ate, everybody's energy is kind of up, you feel good. But here's the payoff. You're not doing the fourth shift, which is the last drive of the day. It ends wherever you're stopping, a campground or something. So during the fourth shift, you can drink. It's awesome. And you go back there in that little kitchen or the little the kitchenette table they have in RVs. 
and you could have yourself a few drinks as you pull in to the campground and your wife is safely driving, then you get out and the party's already started. Did that, man, we had like six days of driving total. I think I did it five times out of the six. It was so beautiful, just awesome. That's my pro tip. Make sure to do it responsibly, everybody. And make sure to join us in the basement. We will be broadcasting. We even call it broadcasting. We will be streaming, we will be potting, we will be showing from outside the Super Bowl. Who the hell knows what I'm gonna run into? Remember tomorrow night I'm doing NFL honors. It's gonna be, or it's gonna be something, positive, negative, otherwise, make sure to watch though. We'll have a full debrief of it on Friday. Until then, goodbye from the basement. Thank you, love you, see yourself out through the garage, close the door on your way out.